This is the I Work For Him podcast. To make sure you never miss a thing from I Work For Him, subscribe to our email list. Just head to our website at iworkforhim.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, click subscribe, and sign up. We'll send the very latest blogs and podcasts from I Work For Him so you never miss a beat. That's iworkforhim.com. This is producer Michael Marigle. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get to today's program. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon as you listen to us on the radio, online at letstalkfaith.com and iHeartRadio, rebroadcast on lots of different stations as well as Talk America Radio. But maybe you're listening to the podcast a few days later on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. However you hear the show, just know that we prayed for you today. We prayed that you would hear what we have to say, that it would give you ideas on how to just enable uh, just incorporating discipleship into your workplace. Oh, now I gave away the show. All right, well, listen, what's the point behind I work for him? You know, many times I've opened up the show reading Romans 12 too. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. But what are we trying to accomplish? Why are we on the air? You see, the culture needs solutions, not tolerance. The culture and the people of our culture need to know that there's an answer for all their questions when they're asking genuine questions. You and me, we bring Jesus with us to our workplaces every day. But does our relationship with Jesus impact those around us? I work for him is here to make sure you're aware that your workplace is your mission field and that there are ministries out there in existence specifically for you to help you be equipped in your ministry, your workplace. But ultimately, our goal is for you to start moving in your ministry in your workplace, sharing the love of Jesus, the love of Jesus with your coworkers and employees through a lifestyle of prayer, care, and sharing. But how do we create a culture of discipleship? Well, today we got an expert on the line. In fact, we're going to have three experts on the line today. We've got John Ramstead. He's been on the show before. You can find him online at eternalleadership.com, eternalleadership.com. John Ramstead, welcome back to I Work For Him. Hey, Jim, thanks for having me on, man. Love what you're doing, and you are just on fire today. Well, we gotta be, you know, we gotta be excited. It's, you know, I know there's a lot of people finally ramping up. Well, here in the southeast, school starts really quick, so people are about ready to jump back into that workplace as teachers and administrators get back into that place, and students get back into that ministry place. And then people are going, and there's a lot of new jobs that start this time of year, so people need to realize how impactful they can be in the workplace. So, John, tell me, how does the message of our work for him resonate with you? Oh, well, Jim, it's huge. You know, think about it. Uh, I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine the other day, and he posited this question. He goes, who's had more impact on our culture in the last 20 years, Bill Gates or the entire evangelical movement? And I was like, you know what? It's not the entire evangelical movement. And here's the thing, though. Every single one of us you know, as, as we start to look at the how God views that, right? There's not a secular, and there's not a sacred. It's all integrated. It's all part of His kingdom. And if we, when we bring our faith and who we are and that relationship into the marketplace and disciple people and work with them and bring, you know, bring out the best in who they are, and through that, and, and my, my pastor a long time ago, Jim, was John Maxwell before he's doing what he did now, and he says, you know what? You have to connect before you can pull. 
And when we connect and build those relationships in the marketplace with our coworkers, our peers, the people around us, then we can start having these conversations that pull them toward what we know and in, in, in just is that amazing relationship with Jesus. And, and so the power that is, exists right now, the effect, the impact, the influence that we can have for the kingdom, I don't think there is a better and more fruitful and more fertile place right now than the marketplace, Jim. Yeah, I would agree. The workplaces of America are, they're so diverse. There's, they, they touch so many different people and they, they're all full of people who are hopeless. They're living hopeless. They, they're, they're saying to themselves, there's got to be something more than what I'm doing. My work doesn't have any meaning. My life doesn't have any meaning. My marriage is a mess or my relationships are a mess. We've got the answer to those people's questions and it's Jesus. I mean, he answers all of those questions. Yes, he does. So tell me, you've got quite a story, which we focused on on our last show, and we're not going to be able to get into it in detail, but how does your testimony impact your work each and every day? You know, it's interesting. Um, when I think about my story, right, uh, and it's what led me to the faith. If people didn't hear the last episode, I had an accident that uh, crushed my skull and broke my neck and rib cage and put me in the hospital for two years. And God showed up at the accident and told me he was going to heal me and use this for his glory, took away the pain that I was in. But you know, you know what? Every single one of us, we have a story about why we came to faith and what was part of that. And I think is, you know what? If that when that comes out just naturally in our conversations with people, you know what it does? It just continues that conversation because what when you're sharing from your heart what has happened in your life, what the this you know as as you've moved into this friendship and this relationship with with Jesus and. And, you know, you're working on transforming things in your life and you're sharing some of the, you know, what's coming out of that, the peace, the joy, you know, the fruits of the Holy Spirit with other people. All of a sudden people are like, man, there's something about that guy that's really attractive. So I think one of the most powerful things that we have as a witness in the marketplace is who we are and how we're showing up. But also, you know, in, in, in conversation, just sharing some of those stories that might feel a little bit vulnerable but you know what? It's going to be really uh, equipping, I believe, for the people that are hearing the story. Hmm. So how do you carry that forward? As we talk today with John Ramstead from EternalLeadership.com, EternalLeadership.com, how do you carry that forward into your Eternal Leadership podcast that you do on a regular basis, as well as your, you're really you're doing corporate training? Aren't you working with leaders all the time, uh, training them up how to be better leaders in their organization? Yeah, we're doing work with uh, executives at both, you know, Christian-led companies and, you know, traditional companies, uh, people where faith is not a part of the work that we do. Uh, do a lot of public speaking. We do a lot of work, Jim, with the military. In every single one of those situations, I share my, my story, uh, what I call my kind of my origin story of where my faith come from, uh, came from and, and the process I went through. And, you know, depending on the audience, I might really you know, get into some of the spiritual areas of that and what happened and, you know, people that that's not where they're at now. You know, I talk in a just general sense about what God did for me and the healing and what it's meant in my life. But I really think it's important for us to be true to who we are and our values and our principles. And if there's some people that, that don't like that, I'm okay with that, Jim. 
uh, because I need to be who I am and just always be authentic. What right. I found, you know what, there, you know, when I was starting this business and moving out really into working with, you know, a lot of business owners outside of the faith community, um, I thought that might be a li- liability, uh, but I knew that, I, you know, that's not something I could take out of who I was. What I found was everybody resonated it. It led to some amazing, deep, meaningful conversations uh, everywhere that I had that conversation. I love that. And and really, I mean, I don't know how you can be a Christ follower and live two lives. And if you're, if Christ has impacted your life, it's hard to kind of hide him in a corner when you're sharing about how your life's been impacted, all the different things that have gone on in your life. So, you know, I, I love your podcast. And I also love the fact that you've got a newsletter out that talks about your podcast. And again, people could sign up on eternalleadership.com, eternalleadership.com. A couple of weeks ago, you did a podcast on developing a culture of discipleship. How do we develop a culture of discipleship? Why did you choose that topic? Well, you know, I think it is so important, you know, think about it, right? We might go to church for an hour or two. Maybe we, you know, do a devotional or a Bible study at home, but we're at work, what, 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And it is such a tremendous opportunity for us to sow into the lives of people around us. You know, one of the things that Really, you know, if I look back at my accident, because I, I, I should not have survived, Jim, and I remember sitting there at one point uh, when we heard from the surgeon about uh, what was going on, that I was convinced that um, next, that, you know, that it was going to be my funeral in the next couple of days. And I really started thinking introspectively about, you know, what, in this concept of inheritance, what I was going to leave to my wife and family financially, they were going to be okay. But I started thinking about legacy. And started thinking about the kingdom and what have I really done that, you know, does the use of my life, you know, is it going to outlive my life? And our ability to have a positive influence and an impact on people through discipling them in the marketplace is immeasurable. Think about that. If you just take an interest in one person, this isn't about, you know, quantity. This is about quality. And that one person just really help them. We're going to pick that up. All right, we're talking today with John Ramstead. Check him out online, eternalleadership.com, eternalleadership.com. He had a podcast a couple of weeks ago that he released saying the, the podcast was, how do we develop a culture of discipleship or developing a culture of discipleship? John Ramstead, I hated to interrupt you. I'm sorry, but I had to go to break. So you were talking about. No, I get that, man. Yeah, I know you get that, but you know, on on podcasts, you don't have to take breaks, do you? No, I don't. And you know, here, you know, here's what I was talking about. Right? Think about, you know, if we disciple one person, and that one person can have a positive influence on a hundred people, and those hundred people touch a hundred people, that's ten thousand lives that we can touch just by taking interest in discipling. Now, to do that, uh, Rod, we have to be willing to be a disciple. And there's some huge benefits, I believe, you know, in, in putting ourselves in that position. For, you know, the first thing is, you know, we have to count the cost of that because what we're doing is the, we're just making that relationship with Christ real. We're really moving into how do we transform our life in our mind? Um, you know, how do we, you know, move into that life with Christ in its fullness, right? I always think of John 10.10. 10. And, and there's so many people I talk to, they're like, you know, it says Christ came to give us life so that we may live it to the full. Most people don't feel like they're living a full life, and we really want to. And, you know, as a disciple, 
and you're in in your building in this relationship spiritually right. right every day is just this new fresh opportunity for us to walk with god and it, for me it's given you know life a definite purpose and a direction and i would say that today life is abundant even though we have our ups and downs right i i would say that we're filled with joy and i there's a big difference between joy and happiness i see happiness as external joy is internal Right. You know, you you think of uh, this, what Peter and Paul and some of the, the, you know, the disciples that we think of in the Bible went through, and they were joyful in some of these horrible circumstances. You know, right. and that's the place that I want I want to move to. And once you're discipled, you can then disciple other people, even if they're not people of faith. Well, and you never know when the next person you disciple could be the next Billy Graham or Luis Palau. I mean, you don't know. You just don't. You just no. don't ever know. Now you did this podcast with Rod Rome, and we've got Rod Rome on the line with us to talk more specifically about this event. Rod Rome, welcome to I Work for Him. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Well, and you can find Rod online at myfathersbiz.link, myfathersbiz.link. Rod, you said on the podcast, if you're not being discipled every day or you're not making disciples every day, you'll miss one of the greatest joys of life. Do you find that true in your own life, Rod? I absolutely do. And I I think uh, sometimes we see discipleship as something other than simply uh, getting in the Word, being in the Word, being discipled, and sharing that Word as a disciple with someone else. The Word always finds us out uh, exactly where we're at. And so if we're in uh, the depths of despair or we don't know what to do or or in confusion, uh, it doesn't take very long to just open the Word, begin to read it, uh, and let Jesus disciple uh, me first. And then I always have something to give out of that. Well, and now here's the issue, though, gentlemen. It, it, John, the question goes back to you. Okay, discipleship. We know it's important. We know that it needs to happen. Probably the three of us are discipling people. But is your church promoting discipleship, John Ramstead? Oh, great question. Um, okay, you hesitate way too long. We know the answer to that one is. Rod, what about your church? Is your church promoting discipleship? Absolutely. Uh, and the reason they are is because uh, we are church. And so individually... Okay, Rod, don't twist my, don't twist my, my question. Is your Four no. Walls Church preparing people by discipling them so they can disciple people when they go out into their workplace, their ministry place. Is your church yes. actively preparing people? Yes. Okay. All right. Sorry, I don't mean to be rude. I just want to make sure we get the question out there. But, but okay. So, well, and let, me, let me throw this out to you, Jim. Okay. I, I, uh, I interviewed uh, Peter Wagner, who has since passed away, but he was the head of uh, Marketplace Ministry at a large seminary, and I asked him how many churches, in his opinion, are actually discipling people to go outside of the church and disciple in their sphere of influence. And he said, I wish you hadn't asked me that question, but it's probably less than 5% of the churches, which means, though, it's an incredible opportunity for us as believers in the marketplace to pick up that mantle. Well, yeah. and, and, and I agree with that. And Rod, so my question for you, I noticed in your, in your bio that you also run a business called Christian Business Incubators, Inc. So you're, you're, I imagine you're working with small businesses, trying to launch them, your incubators of those places where you're just trying to get them started, trying to get them a little funding. It, 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 how do you help those people start those businesses with the mindset that, hey, this is a ministry place. I'm actually starting a church. 
but it's going to be in the form of a business. Uh, we actually invite business leaders and bis- Christian business owners in to that environment so that uh, we have two organizations. We have a companion organization called Christian Business Leaders-Ministers. So if people minister in their place of business as a business owner uh, or in the pastorate or on a staff in a church, makes no difference. We come together, minister to one another, and then in the Christian business incubator, much like a business incubator, we begin to prepare people for walking in marketplace ministries in the business world and in the business environment. So that could be somebody as uh, easily as wanting to come in to the incubator and get a foundation for how to walk their faith out in their office. Uh, whether it's an employee, whether it's a business owner, uh, we say, these are the things that you can walk them out in your office. We give them some Bible foundation. We give them some business acumen to help them understand that as they pray about everything they're doing in their business, with others in their business, it'll be successful. Uh, you'll tear down some of the barriers and the walls that exist today between uh, ministry and being in the business world or having to go to work. So that incubator trains and equips people to take on whatever aspect they need to grow in. If they need to be developing a, a profitable business strategy and a plan, we help them with that. If they have employees that want to work in their companies as human resource ministers, we help equip and train those people to become certified uh, chaplains. And the work of chaplaincy can happen right inside a small business. So, Rod, let me let me just, I, I hate to interrupt, but I know I've got you for limited time today. You and John did this podcast, how do we, you know, developing a culture of discipleship, which is, you know, if you were to ask 10 business people who were Christ followers how to how to develop a culture of discipleship, I'm pretty sure, unless they're involved in C12, Convene, Pinnacle Form, FCCI, or Truth at Work, maybe CBMC, maybe, they're not going to know how to answer that question. So how do, John, and you can answer this too, John, but how do we create a culture of discipleship? Because that's, that's really the issue that we have today. There are people that are in the workplace that are never, ever going to go to church but we as Christ followers in our workplace have an opportunity there. So what's the first step in creating a culture of discipleship, Rod? Well, my first step is to ask them if they want to, if they have a desire for that. And I'll get more answers, yes, in that category than I will in are you currently doing it. Then I ask them, do you see any reason why you wouldn't want to have a chapel in your business instead of having a staff meeting? Now, they'll balk a little bit at that because they don't know how to do that. But I'm going, it's really simple. We can help you get into worship quickly, get into the Word, and get into the work. So if you come together and you have a chapel instead of a um, staff meeting, invite your people in. That's what we did in our company. So we had chapel, and as we met, we started with a little worship. We went through the Word, and we took every piece of work we're working on, and we put it under the mantle of prayer. Now you're making disciples as you're listening to God direct you in 
what a disciple is. A disciple is a person where the Word of God can go in them, go through them, go out to someone else so that they become the same that God wants to use regardless where we are out in the world. And, you know, let me jump in there too, Rod. And, you know, I work with Taylor, and, you know, one of the things that we do in our companies is, um, in, in my client companies and our own company, through transformational leadership, is we bring people through a process to really understand who they are, you know, who, uh, you know, their identity, their core beliefs, uh, their values, to really get to understand themselves, and not from a perspective of maybe how they're wired, but being very clear about, you know, this is how God wired you. And then we'll, you know, we'll also go through a process, too, as we're working with people and, and really focused on kind of that discipleship and that personal development of looking at some of these areas where they might have constraints and in thinking and limiting beliefs, or there's some areas in their identity, uh, maybe through their life and their experiences, they've accepted things um, as truths that are actually lies, and we'll dig into these, and we'll just use the, the Word of God as a light. Gentlemen, I got lost towards the end of that conversation. I apologize, but I do appreciate you, John Ramstead, for picking up the pieces. And I understand you were talking about setting up a chapel meeting in your workplace, Rod, instead of having a, a weekly meeting that you actually set up weekly chapel. And for those people just jumping on, Rod, why don't you just discuss that really quick? What does that look like? How does that work in a place where not everybody's a Christian? Sure. What it, what it looks like is uh, I'll just explain how we did it in our corporation, our company. I'd invite everybody that came into our company as a partner or somebody that we had a few employees that worked directly there. I'd invite them in, and I told them how we're going to do business. So I says, uh, on Wednesday mornings at 8 o'clock, we'll meet uh, for a business meeting, and we call it chapel. And I'm going to invite you in, and we simply start with uh, a few hymns, simple hymns of worship. Uh, we'll read a little bit from the Word of God, and then we'll talk about all of the work that uh, he has, the Lord has us doing in this business. Now, you're invited to come. You're not forced to come. If you don't feel comfortable coming, just want you to know that that's where we're going to discuss our business on a weekly basis. And we're going to pray over every piece of business that we're involved in, and you're always welcome to come. So I'll leave that up to you, but that's uh, the only weekly meeting that we're going to have. And it's sometimes it's hard for people to just know where we're coming from, so we break it down and make it very simple. Just a simple course that anybody can pick up and either listen to uh, or participate in. We'll go to a piece of scripture, that's our agenda, and we'll talk about how that relates to what we're being called to do in the workplace and be profitable in business. And then we'll take a look at our business activity and we'll discuss it in light of, discuss it in light of those things. So, uh, so, so Rod... When you, you, you've got all kinds of different people working for an organization, you know, some Christ followers, some non Christ followers, some atheists, when you gave them an explanation of what chapel would look like and the fact that really, hey, everything we're doing in business, we're going to be talking about that too. What was the response? I mean, how many people said, I'm not going? Well, the ones that aren't going to come aren't going to tell you that. They're just not going to show up. They'll come an hour later or they'll go to their desk and they'll do something different. And I had one gentleman that uh, didn't feel comfortable, and so he didn't come. Uh, I'm fortunate to have most of the people understand my faith and and uh, a believer at whatever level they are, and so they would come because they were a part of what we did as a company. But this one gentleman didn't come for probably five, six months. 
Well, you started uh, hearing people talk about uh, what we did in chapel. He'd ask some questions, and he finally says, well, can I come? I says, you're always welcome to come. Yes, please do. Well, he mm. began to learn to pray. We were able to help him get to an organization, help him with some family issues at home, uh, and the things that he didn't feel like he was really best equipped at, got him connected with some other people that could relate to him, and all of a sudden he began to be a contributing part of what we're doing. That's so fantastic. sometimes you what just a- have to let that settle and then let people come in and let them know they're always welcome. It's a great story, Rod. I really appreciate it. And I also really appreciate the time you took today just to kind of introduce us to the idea of creating a culture of discipleship. I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts, Rod. Rod Rome, thanks for being an I work for him today. My pleasure. Thank you, Jim. John, it was, uh, it's so great to hear some practical examples of how do you create a culture of discipleship. And what a great way by doing it with having a, a weekly chapel and talking about the business at the same time. Do you have other business owners that you know do the same thing? You know, I don't have any other clients like Rod, and I love his idea that he actually calls it chapel. Um, I have a lot of men and women that I work with, though, that, you know, intentionally you know, running a business meeting where we're developing relationships, we're affirming people, they're talking about biblical principles, right? You know, uh, I, you know, I love the, you know, kind of how I think about things is, right, there's a stained glass version and a plain glass version. So in some environments, for some people, uh, you know, it's comfortable, you know, to bring in maybe what you would share with a team that was all Christians. What if you share the same thing, but you're, you know, you're not as heavy on, you know, some of the uh, scripture references, things like that. I, I know some business owners that do that. What I have found is, is, but you know, as long as you're coming from that heart where you're, you know, you're praying. That's what I love about what Rod does. You're lifting everything up. People know where you're coming from. You know, you're going to connect with people. Um, you know, this is how I operated, and I ran a Bible study, and uh, it was a Fortune 100 company. And we, we announced a mentorship program, Jim. And one of the guys who worked for us, who was very openly gay, he knew exactly where I was coming from. He asked and uh, asked me if I would be his mentor, which kind of surprised me. But I was able to spend six months with this, uh, this uh, young man and just sew into his life and have some meaningful conversations. And, you know, uh, you know people, I believe, are attracted to the, the trueness of when we're coming from a biblical perspective and and from that relationship standpoint. When you look at, there's so many people need discipleship. I love the fact that, that, you know, this guy looked at you and said, Hey, I need somebody to feed into my life. And it didn't, it didn't matter that you were a Christian. He could see beyond that. Your faith was really making an impact in your life. Not like, I mean, he was listening to the media. He was going, Hmm, but John Ramstead really seems like he loves me anyway. So I want to have John Ramstead feed into me. So, Ken, if, if somebody's in the middle of an organization, do you think they can start creating a culture of discipleship? Yeah, first of all, I think, you know, we need to be discipled, right? So let's just, let's assume that we're, we're putting ourselves in a situation where there is somebody sowing us, sowing into our life spiritually. I think that is super important. And then what we need to do, wherever we are in an organization, whether we're the newest guy on a landscape crew, um, or we're, you know, running an organization. When we take a sincere interest in other people, 
and we love them and we care about them and we find out about who they are and what's going on in their life, that gives us the permission to really start sowing into them. And if they're a believer, just like Rod said, you can ask somebody, hey, I would love to, I'm looking for a couple people to disciple right now. I'm new at it. Um, but you know what, I would love to, you know, meet with you in, 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 in that, in, you know, in that capacity. And when I have done that directly, Jim, um, I, I've never had anybody say, no, I'm not, I'm good. <laughs> so, right. No, you know, people are just, open you know to what? this. All we have to do is do something and something will happen, but it's about just taking that small step, maybe out of our comfort zone and just, you know, and being a little bit vulnerable and asking somebody, Hey, could I disciple you? And, you know, maybe you need to build a, a little bit of a relationship bridge before you do that. But, uh, you know, those are just the, the small things. And if that's part of the culture where people are really focused on, you know, the other folks on the team and they care as much about their success as their own, and that is the culture that we're creating, that really opens the door for some powerful discipleship to be able to happen. Hey, you've got another guest joining us on the air today, somebody that understands how to create a culture of discipleship. Do you want to introduce our guest? Yes, Jay Cleary, are you on the line? I am. Good afternoon. Hey, Jay, welcome to so, I Work for Jay, Him. Thank you, Jim. So let me introduce Jay. Jay is just be an incredible discipler in my life, Jim, and a friend and a mentor, and I've been able to work with him as a coach. And, um, you know, uh, Jay has always had a heart for developing people spiritually, and he You'll you'll see if you're ever in a conversation with Jay, he immediately goes to those areas and topics that are you know important topics, spiritual topics, you know meaningful uh, topics, and has deep conversations with people that are just powerful and equipping. And then, and when Jay started his own company a few years ago, he brought who he was and he brought that entire mindset and and how he does things into his company, and that is infused in in what they do and how they do it. So, Jay, with Bridge Financial Group, as you started this a few years back, how did you create a culture of discipleship? You know, Jim, I think the first thing uh, I did is is went to the whiteboard with um, uh, the people who were on our team and basically said, what do we want? You know, I, I hadn't done this on my own before, and it was about five years ago now. Uh, but we went up to the whiteboard, and in, in less than an hour, we had about 80 words up there that everybody threw up uh, on the board. And then we bunched them into groups because a lot were similar. And we ended up with eight groups, and then we took the strongest word in each group and rose it to the top. And then that, that became, we took a picture of it, and that became our culture document. And it's not normal corporate words. Um, the, the, the words are belonging, grateful spirit positive energy, reaching potential, thoughtful communicators, collaborative, whole company thinking, and life balance. And there are words underneath each of those. We kept all those. And so my favorite, my favorite one's grateful spirit. And the first word underneath that is forgiving. Um, so the whiteboard became the um, collaborative buy-in about what we wanted to create together as a company and as a culture. And um, when we hire people, we go over that document with them. And we talk about specific things on there to make sure people are interested and willing to join a group that is more about you know, deeper relationships, meaningful communication. Um, you know, we're all working a lot during the, the, the workday. I personally want to be with a group of people that I 
am more connected to than I had been in the past, and uh, and the spiritual components and the relationship components are all really important to that. So, and, and you were talking about the power of forgiveness before the break, and I want to make sure we pick that back up because that's a really big component because a lot of people who aren't Christ followers, when they see true, genuine forgiveness, even demonstrated by a human, they're touched by it because they've never seen it before. How did that fit as a component into your transforming your or setting up your culture to be a culture of discipleship? Well, I think in the, in the corporate work environment, um, there's a lot of high-performing people. I've been around a lot of high-performing people. And those people oftentimes have really high expectations for themselves and high expectations for others. And so they tend to be or can be unforgiving, and they can be harsh. And I saw that, and I um, wanted to have an environment that was different and looked at two and, and, and different in the way that um, it reflected the forgiveness that I so deeply needed and, and received when I received Christ. Um, and it's something I wanted to, it's, it's something that got into me and that uh, I need it so badly and I give it freely. Um, so I wanted that to be really an important central part of our culture. And I also... One of our other themes is feedback in the spirit of lifting up. Um, I truly believe in a corporate setting there isn't um, oftentimes that right dynamic, a blend between forgiveness and feedback in the spirit of lifting up. And if, if uh, like John was saying earlier, you can go shoulder to shoulder next to somebody walking down the path of life, and if they see this kind of um, living, per se, then I think you have the ability to really, um, you know, reach, be able to connect with that person and, and go places that uh, most people couldn't go. John, as you hear this, and I know that this is, you know, what Jay has just talked about, this this creating a culture of discipleship, but really what are some of the components and that forgiveness, huge thing, but I love that feedback and a spirit of lifting up. John, as you hear that, how many Christ-centered business owners, leaders, understand these are some of those components in creating a culture of discipleship? I mean, you know, I think a lot of them understand the components, Jim, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's where, you know, how do I bring that where it lives in the culture and it's not an exercise that you do and you throw it on a sheet. You know, one of the things that Jay has done, maybe you can talk to this a little bit, Jay, but, you know, Jay will have meetings and they'll pick one of those topics. It could be forgiveness. It could be, you know, feedback and the spirit of lifting up. And at a monthly meeting, I believe, Jay, he'll have somebody share about that and, and talk about it and kind of tell a story about it and where it's showing up in the workplace. So, you know, Jay is actively taking, you know, these elements of this culture and reinforcing it in what people do and how they do it and, and in the day-to-day work. And I think that is where we can really connect to creating this, this culture that really can be, you know, powerful. So, Jay, what are those monthly meetings like? Do you, do you really pick up a topic like that and let people get raw talking about a topic like that? Yeah, we pass it. We call it culture meetings, and, and we pass around. Uh, it's actually once a quarter. But we pass around um, the leadership on that. So one person will, um, out of their own perspective, out of their own experience, 
will lead that discussion, and they'll talk about their own philosophy about Grateful Spirit, and then they'll relate it to the company. And then it's just an open, it's an hour conversation where there's connection. And I think your point, John, is a really good one. The, the connection is a big aspect of it. So we do a wine bar once a month, and we can reflect on what happened the past month. And it's, and it's a good thing, but it's, it's a connection point. We do retreats. Every uh, six months we do a two-day retreat up in the mountains. And it's a, it's a serious connection point. Um, so- I was going to say, Jay, talk to me about impact on your company, on Bridge Financial Group. Talk to me about the impact of creating this culture of discipleship as you feed into others and they feed into others. What's the impact, Ben, versus you know, comparing it and contrasting it to places you've worked prior to creating your own company? Well, one of the um, – I in a fairly uh, – kind of a strange way, I have kind of 10 categories of life. And the, and the first well, let's not focus on all ten today. This is focus no, on maybe no, the top no, no. But the first five are, are relationships: relationship with God, wife, etc. Um, the relationships, and then the next are um, you know, health and business and such. But um, so your your question is: what's the impact? Number one, um, it's being blessed with relationships. I measure, um, you know, how well things are going in life by the quality and the and the meaning of the relationships. So. Um, I feel blessed that we have a group of connected um, people who I think understand and value the rare aspect of our uh, situation here. And, you know, if a problem happens, if it's personal or business, I think um, it's it's a pretty cool thing. And then I feel our business has been blessed. Um, We've been very fortunate. And I don't know if the two are correlated, but I have a feeling they are. Hmm. So, John, when you hear this and you, this conversation, getting people even to think about this, because I would imagine, John Ramstead, that this conversation about creating a culture of discipleship is a pretty out-of-the-box conversation for Christ followers. I mean, when you bring this up, do people go, oh, yeah, I already got that going on? <laughs> no, they usually say, I, you know, just like, uh, you know, they say, I'd like to have that going on. You know, what does that look like? How do you do that? That's, you know, that would be really exciting. Um, you know, but, you know, let's, you know, let's look at, uh, you know, some of the benefits too, just looking at, you know, Jay, your company at Bridge and other, you know, other companies that have, that are doing this, right? When you have, I think, such healthy relationships, um, you can get past conflict so much quicker. People are so much more engaged. They're bringing their best self to every situation, you know, and the, the good times and the bad times. Uh, you're pulling together for situations that are happening outside of work. I mean, who would not want to work for an organization like that? And now think of now an example, a light that that creates in the marketplace as other people are looking to your company, the people that work there, the results that you're having, both in business and in relationships. And now all of a sudden that opens up conversations for you to maybe disciple a peer. And I know Jay has conversations about what he's doing with his peers and, you know, people that are running other companies and, you know, and then so on and so on. So, you know, you take each of those small steps forward into creating a culture like this, and it's amazing the ripple effects that it can have, Jim. All right, so are there any, you know, people are listening, Some, many of the people listening live on the radio are thinking, okay, I'm in the middle of an organization, I wanted, I'd really like to start feeding into the lives with my 
with my walk with Christ, I want to start feeding the lives of those around me. Are there resources that they can reference? Are there books that they can read? I mean, what is it they can do to get started? Because I think getting started is the biggest freak-out point. What, what, what would you recommend? Well, you know, Jim, if you don't mind, I'd love to have Jay answer that because well, okay, he has go ahead, always Jay. done that and always been an example to me. Jay, go ahead. I just I, I throw out there um, an author in California named Pat Lencioni, and one of the things that he says is that people don't get the feedback they need to reach their potential and grow to their potential. And it's an interesting thought. Um, he says the people who care most about you, who are the best ones to give you the feedback you need, are afraid that they're going to hurt your feelings, that they might be coming from a high and mighty spot, that you might get defensive, it might hurt your relationship, and the list goes on. And so they don't give you, because they like you too much, they care about you too much, they don't give you the feedback that you actually need. And so Lencioni talks about, uh, it could be one-on-one relationships, or it could be in a corporate environment. He talks more about the latter. But it, it, he talks about how you get a new set of rules where you can have agreements and 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 uh, have this kind of understanding that you want. Well, we're gonna leave it. We got to leave it right there. Yeah. Jay Cleary, yeah. John Ramstead. Thanks for being an I work for him today. John Ramstead. Thanks for taking the ball and running with it, guys. Thank you so much for carrying this conversation on creating a culture of discipleship. Thanks for being on today, guys. Thank you. Thanks, right, you, Jim. You bet. You've been listening to I work for him. Just remember, I work for him.